Welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and I have some exciting news. In addition to this podcast, I am beginning another podcast that will feature steamy and ultra-steamy romance novels. These will be available on the platform Ream Stories. Ream Stories is busy finalizing the ability to upload audiobooks to their site. As soon as it's up, I'll let you know and you can listen to the steamy side of Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl. Please stop by my page to see what's already available at tinyurl.com slash reamcherish. The ebook is now available on Amazon. So get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Chapter 29 Mike and Jack went over the necessary information as they made their way to Aditya's hotel. Logan sat in the back seat of the truck. Nerves rattled him, making acid burn in his chest. He had no idea what he'd discover in Aditya's hotel room. Would there be information on him? Information on the team? Mike glanced at Logan through the rearview mirror. He knew it would be hard for Logan to see Aditya's stuff, perhaps even plans that disgust him. But Logan would survive. No one understood why she hadn't killed Logan when everything hit the fan. Perhaps she had true feelings for him. They walked around the back of the truck and headed towards the hotel. Mike glanced around the parking lot. A lot of minivans and some nicer sedans dotted the lot. The hotel was several stories high with nice flower beds along the perimeter, while taller trees provided shade for the parking lot. You got the manager's name? Mike asked, turning his head to look at Logan. Yeah, his name is Tom Stevens, Logan replied. He's expecting us. Good, Mike replied. They approached the entrance and the automatic sliding doors opened. Stepping through the second set of doors, they entered the lobby. The concierge desk was straight ahead. As they made their way to the desk, a man headed them off and stuck out a hand. Hello, I'm Tom Stevens, the manager, he added. He'd been nervous when he got the call from Savage Security regarding a guest at the hotel. Nothing like this had happened at any of the hotels he was familiar with. So he went online to view the security agent's profile pictures to ensure that he'd recognize them when they entered. His first instinct had been to try to prevent them from searching the hotel room without a warrant, but when he learned that the guest was dead and time could be an issue, he decided to let them in. It also didn't hurt that he received a phone call from Captain Wallace with the Department of Defense. Jack took the man's hand and gave him a firm shake as he introduced himself. He'd guessed Mr. Stevens was in his late thirties. A bald spot on the crown of his head was ringed with short brown hair. It reminded Jack of a friar or monk from an old Disney movie he'd seen as a kid. The man was short. He'd guess around five feet six inches with a slight frame and pale skin. I'm Mike Lewis. Thank you for agreeing to help us. This is Logan Murphy. He motioned towards Logan. Jack gave a welcoming head nod and introduced himself. Of course, Tom said, shaking Logan's hand. This is highly unusual, but since the guest is dead... The hotel is happy to work with law enforcement. He knew the Carisburg police officers would show up next, but the men in front of him looked like former military. Follow me, Tom said with a flick of his hand as he headed to the elevators. He pushed the call button and looked at the men again. Mike eased his lips into a subtle smile as Mr. Stevens looked at him. It was obvious that Mr. Stevens was nervous. This kind of thing didn't happen very often. The elevator doors opened and the men stepped inside. Tom hit the correct floor number and said, I'll need to stay in the room with you. The police officers are on their way. His gut churned. 
He'd popped a few antacids, but they weren't cutting it. He knew what he needed to say to the men, but he knew he wouldn't be able to enforce it. By the looks of these men, they didn't take orders. They gave them. Mr. Stevens cleared his throat and said, The hotel asks that you do not remove anything from Mrs. Chopper's room, but you may take pictures. Jack nodded. That's what we've been told. If Aditya was still alive, Jack knew they wouldn't be allowed into the room. But since she was dead and no one was going to trial, they were given permission to search for information only. The police would arrive soon with a warrant in case any information on other people was discovered that could lead to a trial. The elevator stopped and the men filed out. Mr. Stevens led them down the hallway and stopped outside Aditya's room. This is it, he said, putting his key card to the door sensor. The light turned green and he pushed open the door. Mike and Jack walked in first, letting their eyes rove over the room. She'd kept her place neat. The kitchenette area was free of clutter. The sitting area appeared to have been straightened. The television remote sat on the corner of the coffee table with the descriptor list of channels under it. Has housekeeping been in here since yesterday morning? Jack asked, facing Mr. Stevens. Thomas Gladdy checked on that. Yes, housekeeping straightened the room up yesterday morning. They were due to work in here this morning, but I canceled their cleaning when I learned of Miss Chopper's death. Was that the best way to describe what happened to her? Death instead of suicide? At least he didn't have a murdered guest on his hands, or a dead body in his hotel. Mike nodded and walked to the refrigerator. Pulling the door open, he spied some bottled waters, a few yogurts, and a six-pack of soda. She obviously didn't eat much at the hotel. Logan walked to the desk area and sat letting his fingertips graze over her computer. He was nervous about what he'd find in there. What kind of information did she have on them? On him. Jack wandered to the doorway that led into the bedroom. I'll check out the room, he said over his shoulder. The bed was made, which didn't surprise him since housekeeping had been in. Walking to the dresser, he opened the first drawer. Some jeans and shirts were folded neatly. He carefully sifted through the clothes, looking for anything that would give them insight about her. Mike wandered into the bathroom off the bedroom to see what else he could learn. He knew the most important stuff would be on her computer, which Logan was hacking into. Logan would copy everything from her computer and then take it back to Savage Security to methodically sift through. Tom stood in the doorway between the living area and the bedroom. He didn't want to take his eyes off of the men. He didn't want the hatchet to fall on his neck, if it was discovered that they'd stolen something. And it bothered him that he couldn't see the one that had just walked into the bathroom. There was no perfect spectating spot. He wished the police would arrive. He was ready to give them control of the room and let them deal with the hassle of the men from savage security. Mike rummaged through her toiletries bag that lay on the bathroom counter. No illegal drugs were present. He didn't find any prescription medications either. The lone drug of choice was the ibuprofen. Popping off the top, Mike confirmed that only ibuprofen was in the bottle. Jack opened the closet in the bedroom. It was mostly empty. A few blouses hung on hangers and a lone suitcase stood in the corner. He grabbed it by the handle and tossed it onto the bed. The zipper hummed as he pulled it around the edge of the black suitcase. Gripping the side, he tossed open the cover. It was mostly empty, except for a black abaya and niqab. Jack clutched the fabric in his hand and held it up. Look what I found, he said. Mike popped his head into the doorway from the bathroom. 
Anger churned in his gut when he saw the garments. She'd worn those the day she killed Lieutenant Shaw. Huh, Mike grunted. Logan stepped around Tom into the bedroom. What did you find? The situation still felt surreal to him, like he was watching someone else's life. During his time in the military, he was always in a room full of computers surrounded by people making decisions. He didn't have the battlefield experience that the others from Savage Security had. So being attacked, especially in his home, hadn't felt like a valid concern before. He was still struggling to deal with the harsh reality that crashed down on him. Logan took the few steps to Jack and took the soft cotton fabric out of Jack's hand. He'd been staring at Aditya's grainy eyes behind the kneecap for hours while going over the security tapes. He'd watched her walk away from the hotel wearing those clothes as a damn mask. A mask that was completely normal in that society. She'd been invisible in those clothes. Logan scrunched up the clothes and tossed them back into the suitcase. With a huff, he left the room. Tom wanted to ask why the clothes were significant, because they obviously meant something to the men. But he just stood there. He glanced at his watch again, willing the police to get there faster. A zippered section was sewn into the cover of the suitcase. Jack had noticed a sliding sound when he flipped the top onto the bed cover. Stepping to the side, nearest to the zippered pouch, he unzipped it. Peeking into the dark section, he noticed something inside. Sliding his hand into the pouch, he pulled out a small book. The cover was bright and cheery and said, Just me and my BFF. He flipped open the cover and realized it was a small photo album. I got something, he said, waving the book in the air for Mike to see. Logan heard Jack's comment, but he didn't want to see any more. Digging through the information on the computer was hard enough. Besides, he knew he'd eventually see what Jack found, so he continued to transfer information from her computer to his portable memory drive. Mike crossed the room and stood beside Jack. The first photo was of three young women. Aditya and her twin, Rhea, stood on each side of another Indian girl. He'd guessed the woman to be around 20 in the photo. Aditya and Rhea looked nearly identical, except for the tiny mole high on Rhea's cheek. The one in the middle was several inches taller than the twins, but all three women radiated happiness. Jack flipped the page to the next photo. This was another shot of the same three women at an amusement park, wearing old-time western clothes resembling saloon girls in a back-in-time photo. He flipped again and again. The book was full of photos of Aditya, Rhea, and the mystery woman. We need to figure out who she is, Mike said, pointing to the unknown woman. Jack nodded. Aditya traveled light, but the photo album was obviously important since she'd kept it with her. Logan can run her picture through the facial recognition program. She's got a driver's license. She should be easy to find. The moment Tom had been waiting for arrived when one of his front desk agents opened the room door and escorted police officers into the room. Reaching out his hand, Tom exchanged greetings with the officers. Detective Hal Webb had a sick feeling in his gut. The fact that men from a private security company were allowed into the victim's hotel room pissed him off. And getting a glance at the hotel manager, Tom Stevens, he knew there was nothing Mr. Stevens could do to stop the savage security agents from messing with evidence if they wanted to. But he knew not to rock the boat when the powers that be, whoever the hell they were, gave a demand, and the demand he'd received was to work with the security company agents. Gentlemen, 
Detective Webb said. He stopped short when he recognized the Asian man at the computer. Logan knew the minute the detective recognized him. Detective Webb's bushy eyebrows pulled together, forming a serious unibrow, and his eyes narrowed. Logan stood and extended a hand. Detective, he said. Detective Webb had questioned him at his house after Aditya had killed herself. Logan had answered the officer's questions with as few details as possible. He wasn't interested in answering any more questions. Mr. Murphy, Detective Webb replied, I must admit that I'm surprised to see you here. It seems like it may be a conflict of interest. He could think of no good explanation for the security agent who'd been the victim's lover to be messing with her computer. Logan nodded in understanding. I understand your concern, but I can assure you that my goal is to unravel the mystery behind Aditya Chopra and her actions. He sat again at the little desk station that held the computer and finished up what he was doing, purposely avoiding Detective Webb's glare. Hearing Logan Murphy refer to Aditya Chopra like some random woman on a computer screen and not his lover who'd blown her brains out in his home felt wrong, calculated. Detective Webb still didn't understand why Aditya had killed herself, and no one was giving him straight answers. Detective Webb stepped further into the hotel room and noticed the two other security agents in Miss Chopra's bedroom and bathroom. As his people started documenting the room, taking photos, and itemizing Miss Chopra's things, he realized the other agents were military, just like him. He'd seen their type. The men before him were the kind that did the bravest— or most dangerous missions in the military. Their hardened eyes and precise movements shouted special ops. What the hell were they doing in a hotel room in Carisburg, going through Aditya Chopra's things? Hal cleared his throat to get their attention. Excuse me, Hal said, straightening his suit jacket. My people are here. We need the room. Jack turned around and instantly liked the officer in front of him. His short-cut hair... Broad shoulders and straight, confident stance had clearly been ingrained into the man in the military. He'd placed the detective in his forties, but he lacked the pouch that most men approaching middle age carted around. He'd probably done at least one tour in the Middle East. Jack figured the detective would put enough of the pieces together to quickly figure out that he needed to stop asking questions. Jack extended his hand. Jack Black. Jack motioned to the bathroom. My partner, Mike Lewis. Mike gave a head nod to the Mike gave a head nod at the mention of his name. Hal returned it with a curt nod of his own. Detective Hal Webb, I trust you've had enough time in here. He looked around the room. An open suitcase sat on the bed. But other than that, everything looked like it was in place. Had they taken anything from the drawers? We have, thank you, Jack replied. He'd already replaced the photo album after taking pictures of the photos with his cell. There was not a lot to learn. That's too bad, Hal replied, trying to keep the snark out of his voice. He didn't appreciate the team interfering in his investigation, especially when the team was so clearly linked to the investigation. We'd like to get to the bottom of this. We need to figure out why the victim, he cleared his throat, Aditya Chopra, your friend's girlfriend, he tossed a thumb towards Logan, shot herself. Mike made his way to the doorway between the bedroom and the sitting area of the hotel room and stopped in front of the detective. Detective Webb was taller than Mike, but Mike was broader and more muscled. 
I couldn't help but snort at the victim and girlfriend comment. The phrasing was a blatant attempt to bully them. Detective Webb, it would be a mistake to think of Aditya Chopra as a victim. Mike didn't wait for the detective's response. He joined Logan at the door to the hotel hallway. Detective Webb stared at Mike's back as he exited the room and disappeared. Then he glanced at Jack as he crossed the room for the door. I trust you'll keep us updated on what you find. Jack stopped and turned, offering the detective a smooth smile. Of course. We'd appreciate the same courtesy. Detective Webb's smile didn't reach his eyes. Of course. He mimicked Jack. Both men knew they wouldn't be sharing anything. Jack wasn't interested in being strapped helplessly behind the red tape that would inevitably tie up Webb's investigation. Webb's gut told him that there was a lot more to this investigation than met the eye. It was highly unlikely that the suicide of Aditya Chopra was not linked to the attack on Miss Bella Chan the same night at the Savage Security Office. This was the kind of case that could destroy a career. As much as he wanted to know the truth, he knew that curiosity killed the cat. Thank you for sharing your time with me. The next chapters in Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl will be live tomorrow. If you can't wait for the next chapters to be released, you can purchase Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl by Cherish Lively on Amazon's Vela and KDP platform. To keep up with various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow my Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively. Or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash cherishlively. Goodbye. Thank you.